We just heard him sort of bounce off the, the back of the deck and, and splash into the water. So, you know, Matt Rogers already wasn't feeling too well, but he dived straight in with, with me. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. Yo-ho! Welcome to episode 10 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe semi-pro cyclists don't acknowledge recumbent riders. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who's saving footy players. The podcast, it is on iTunes and you can subscribe by going to semiprocycling.com and clicking on the iTunes picture. Also, if you do like the show, please take some time out to give us a review. It means so much to me. Thank you very much. So, straight to the news and to the Tour of Duty ride. They look like they're still having a great time. It's going to be finishing next Monday, September 10, in New York. Right now, they've just hit Cleveland. I did miss an update last week, but some of the highlights so far have been Memphis, Tennessee, passing through Franklin next to Bowling Green, which is just up the road from Nashville. They watched a Chicago Cubs game. You can check all of this out on the website, and for more details, go to the Facebook because that seems to be the most lively place where all the pictures are being posted. They've got over 1,400 likes there. It's getting a lot of coverage and it should because it's a pretty amazing event. Ty is still cranking it out there. Haven't heard from him but I'm going to be pushing so I can get a final update next week to you all. And if you do want to donate, the website has options there for you. Other bit of news, I just want to report quickly on my beetroot Attempt. I told you a couple of weeks ago that I was going to try out beetroot and see how it's going to work for me. I didn't even get to go and use it in any physical sense because my body rejected it. I was sick as a dog. I, I don't know why, but it just it slammed me. I tried it two days in a row and my body just refused to work properly. It was so ugly. I'm not going into the details, but I, just thinking about it now makes me cringe. It was horrible. I, I don't know what I did wrong. Now, let's get straight into the nuts and bolts. And this week, how a warm-up framework can save your race day. I touched on a bit of this last week when I was talking about your overall pre-race routine, but I felt that the warm-up was super important in itself, and it's the 80-20 of the entire lead-up to a race that can make a really big difference if not done properly, or if it's not done at all. So this week, I put together a bit of a framework that you can plug into your own individual requirements, because everybody is different, every race is different and so it's really really easy just to think about it in the five steps that I've broken it down into and then work within those in your training so that when you're coming up to race day you know exactly what you're doing you've gone over and over and over again and you're saving brain space and energy so let's just get straight into it we all should be warming up before races and even before hard efforts in training you should be warming up but the big question is how specific do you get do you put much time into perfecting your warm-up and do you change it for each type of event you do I'm going to look into 
this framework for warm-ups that can make it easier to tweak until you've dialed it in and you're not wasting any energy and brain power on your race day. First up though, let's delve into two recent studies with some interesting findings. So firstly, a review of all warm-up studies concluded that none of the studies showed that any one approach to warming up was best or even that warming up necessarily would make you slightly better at your sport or prevent injury. That's pretty hard-hitting and damning evidence if a scientific paper is going to be saying that there's really no point to do it. I kind of think that the warm-up itself, yes, it is for your body and to open you up, but a big part of warm-ups are the mental preparation that it's getting you into. If you're just rolling around before a race and you're not actually thinking clearly and you don't have the focus, then you're definitely not putting your best foot forward when it comes to preparing for the race. My take on it is that the mental component is just as important. So it wasn't proven in this meta-analysis and we're only going on hearsay here. Well, I'm only going on my experience here and this is what this this whole episode is about. It's my experience with warm-ups. But a big part of cleaning out the cobwebs or revving the engine or whatever turn of phrase you want to use, you want to remind the body and the mind what they're about to do. It puts your brain in a heightened state of awareness and it primes you for your effort. Just how well you can harness this on the day could make or break your race. The second piece of research that I came across answers, or someone answers this question of, should your warm-up be shorter? When you're looking at a warm-up for a time trial, some people are spending up to an hour warming up, like hardcore warming up, not just sitting in their nicks or whatever, waiting to, to turn the pedals. They're actually cranking it over. People do get afraid that this is going to be too much over time and you you'll just be using all your good energy so someone actually looked into it and it was commissioned by the sports authority in canada and so until recently the long warm-up was considered the best performance for short cycling events but this study looked into the length of warm-ups compared to performance Now, the events themselves that they looked into were limited to track. But even considering this, the findings are a little surprising. So is more better or is less more? The main point of the research was to demonstrate that more warm-up is not necessarily better and that athletes of any sport should question the norm, even if a certain warm-up protocol is performed by top athletes in the world, because it's possible for them to be fatiguing themselves as well. The study mainly proved that you can warm up way too much, resulting in muscular fatigue, which can negatively impact high-intensity performance. So where does this leave us? If they're moving in a direction with this study that we should be cutting down our times and everyone else is still saying that we should do long warm-ups, we're kind of stuck in the middle. My recommendation for now is that if you've been following a warm-up routine for a while and you haven't gotten injured and you perform well in the race, then that warm-up is working for you, so stick to it. If your legs feel heavy and slow after you warm-up, you might be overdoing it. In that case, you will want to be experimenting with shortening and reducing the intensity of your warm-up. Once you go, we go through this framework and you have a look at it, I would actually consider shortening parts of your warm-up as a test and then extending them from there. Rather than going long and cutting off, I would get them right down to to what you think are the bare basics and then start moving time on if you feel that you're not getting warmed up and you're really struggling when the race starts to get going. All right, so let's get to the warm-up itself. So like I kind of touched on, 
and you do know, there are different types of riders and different types of races. And so the common knowledge has always been that the shorter the race, the longer the warm-up. This is because specific energy systems need to be ready to fire when called upon during a race. So you've got aerobic, you've got lactic acid, you've got VO2, and you've got anaerobic systems. You want to get to the race start as close to your race heart rate as possible, but how not to go beyond that point of fatiguing the muscles. When was the last time you changed your warm-up to see the effects? So this is what I'm getting at. Bits of experiment. Actually thinking about what you're doing rather than just falling into the same old routine. So the framework I've put together is a really good starting point for developing your own. Experimenting and repetition will be the only way to take this framework and create individualized and repeatable warm-up that's just for you. A few things that I want to let you know before we get into this. Firstly, I am not a coach. This is all from my experience. I am talking about what I've had conversations with coaches over the past and what I've put together. I'm not talking about this is a theory that I've come up with and then you should follow this. You should take all of this and like any single thing that you do when it comes to the bike, test it. Test how you feel. Test your heart rates. Test your power. That is the only way to know if this is going to work for you. And going on the testing, new routines should always be tried out in practice. This is such a big thing here. Everyone knows this, don't they? That anything that is brand new, you should not be trying out in a race. I'm, I, I don't, don't want to preach to you here. I'm just trying to remind you because I have done this. For whatever reason, you get caught up in the emotion of the day of the race. You think, ah, she'll be right. I can put this in. No problems. Just don't do it. Stick to what you know. Have a plan in place. And the plan in place actually removes the emotion from the equation. So you're not thinking your own mind is not going to get in the way of a good performance. This framework that I've designed is specifically for cross mountain biking and time trials. Now these are the events that from the gun you need to be ready and firing. When it's coming to a road race, there's so much more variables when it comes to a road race. Is there going to be hills early on? You know, do you want to attack from the start? Does your team have an attacking plan? There's all these factors that come into how you're going to warm up for a road race. So you'll need to kind of develop this on your own. Generally, the road races I enter... I've always just entered are either training road races for other events, not really many big tours or anything. I'll tend to warm up on the road and hope my body just gets going over time. And finally, your max heart rate and training zones. I'm going to base these warm-ups on heart rates. You can compare this to power if that's what you want to use or even um, perceived effort. Perceived effort is a fairly good one because you're going to have variables on the day. You may find that you're struggling on the day to get it to where you want it and that's going to be a real Real mental barrier. So if you can handle those ups and downs when you're using a solid measurement like power or using a slightly variable measurement like heart rate, then sure, go ahead. Otherwise, perceived effort probably isn't such a bad idea. It can take your mind off it as well so that you're not stressing too much before a race, but we are going to get into a little bit of mental preparation that's sort of sprinkled amongst the framework here. I do have a following method if you don't know your max heart rate. I believe that you all know it so I would just go to the website and check out what I've got. I've copied it from somewhere else and I've just put it in simple form so you can run through it to get your max heart rate. I believe everybody listening to this show probably has their max heart rate already. If you don't, you're probably not as serious as I thought you would be, but it's important. If you don't have a heart rate monitor, then perceived effort's going to be where you're at. So I do have a breakdown as well, and this breakdown is directly from Cycling Australia. Sorry, the breakdown is for heart rates and the zones that you would be using during the warm-ups that I would do. So I've been using these for a long time. They have served me well during my riding career. 
and I'll continue to use them. I don't see any reason not to. Just quickly, I won't get into too much of a detail with them, but the codes that are using VO2 for maximum intensity and then going down in intensity, E3, E2, E1, and recovery. Once you have these figured out, it's probably easier just to tape something onto a piece of paper so that you know, or I'm sure your watch or your computer is smart enough to figure out what zone you're in these days. Um, my Garmin doesn't have that capabilities, but I always set a race heart rate. I always know what I want to be sitting on, what I can maintain for the given amount of time for the race. So that's always drilled into my head because I'm training at that point all the time. So I'm sure you have, or I hope you have a, a similar system that can just jog your memory if your brain just happens to die during a race. Okay, so you want to be set up and ready to roll to the warm-up, and we're talking around 60 minutes before the start, where everything is done, and you're ready to get on the bike. Timing's everything here, because not only should you be prepared for the race, but you need to prepare for yourself not missing the start of the race. I've done this, it's not pretty. I've seen someone else do this at national level. Ouch. That was, uh, I don't know whether tears were involved, but I would be crying. So, out of five stages, stage one. Stage one, you want at least 20 minutes at an easy pace. So, this time is used for course inspection, which is especially important in mountain biking and cyclocross. It's, to a lesser extent, it's important in crit racing. But the reason that you're doing this is for the conditions on the day, rather than learning the course. You should be familiar with the course through training through the days before, especially if it is something like mountain biking. It's to understand the start and how that's going to play out based on the conditions of the day. So whether it's muddy or it's super dry or there's off-camber corners or whatever technical aspects that you need to have in your mind and you need to prepare for when you start the race. In shorter races like cyclocross, you can do some laps to figure out the entire course. I wouldn't recommend it in a mountain bike race. You want to keep your energy focused right on that start, right on your body being prepped rather than getting lost somewhere in the middle of a mountain. So once we've been out there for a while and our hearts are warmed up, we've raised our body temperature and everything is stabilized and you don't feel the cold anymore now is where we start to increase the intensity so moving to stage two we're looking at four minutes tempo and then two minutes recovery in e2 so we're starting to get more specific here and we're doing another time check because by the time we're getting back from the race course and jumping on the trainer we're trying to be there around 30 35 minutes before the actual start of the race you want to slip it in the big ring as soon as you get on there and you want to increase the speed to a good tempo pace once you've done that for four minutes then you're stepping back into the small ring and letting your body settle down and recover its composure for me here is where i start to introduce the mental warm-up to my routine a little trick here and i've always thought about this is fake it till you make it If you're not feeling positive emotions prior to the race, so this is where you've been out and you're unsure about the way the race is going to unfold in the first half of the race because of the conditions or where your starting position is going to be, anything that's starting to seep in and get to you and bring you down, you can attack this by just feeling energized and positive. So when you act in a particular manner, the body will neurochemically and emotionally respond accordingly. So just as the mind doesn't know the difference between actually acting energized and fun-loving and actually feeling that way, you can trick it into evoking these positive emotions about your race. If you fake it until you make it, you'll be able to summon emotions shown to positively affect performance. Additionally, find a song that evokes 
positive emotions for you. You can listen to that song during your warm-up and just before the race starts. It will bring a helpful flow of emotions and often the song can be a focal point during the race. So this is exactly what I was talking about when I was talking about practicing or having parts of a song that you can call on in a race or having a song that evokes a certain emotion so you can get pumped to race. So choosing these ones based on what you've practiced and what you're into, these are just tools to actually start you thinking and getting prepared right in the middle of your warm-up. Stage three, three minutes of sub-threshold below race pace and then three minutes recovery. So by now your heart should be in in race mode. It should be breathing rhythmically and you have a slight sweat. You shouldn't be gasping for breath with your heart heart coming through your chest and you shouldn't have any conscious feelings of heavy legs. Under this load is where visualization that includes positive imaging of riding the course and how the start will go will be beneficial. So just focusing on what the body has to do at the start and let your mind follow. The atmosphere produced by the music and the focus will prepare you for the immediate hit out. So this is just a part of getting your mind ready, linking it to the effort that you're doing because you're getting close to race pace effort when you're in this part of the warm-up. So essentially what you want to be doing is honing your brain in to getting comfortable and ready for this position. While you're in this position though, you're also thinking about the start. You're wanting the start to be as perfect as possible. And now whatever that definition of perfect for you is, whether it's marking somebody, whether it's getting out the lead, whatever the strategic race plan is, this is now the time that you start to prepare for it. And then we move into stage four. Now stage four is dependent on the event that you're actually going to undertake. So if we break it down, I'm slotting cross and mountain bike into the same category. Even though cross is a slightly higher effort over a shorter time, I think that the starts are very similar these days where you just seem to go fast and then get faster. If you look at a warm-up of just getting a full gas warm-up at 2 times 30 seconds and then a minute off. So this is going to get your body absolutely ready and primed for that gun when it goes. Now, a time trial is slightly different, and what you're going to be wanting to do here is to steadily increase the intensity over a 10-minute period. So you're building up to a lactate threshold in the last minute. It looks like 5 minutes at 75%, 3 minutes at 85%, and 2 minutes at 90%. So this is building up to the effort that you're going to be trying to sustain throughout the entire time trial. And Criterium's the final one. This is a pretty fun one. Criterium's are known for their unpredictability. So you don't know exactly how a race is going to unfold. So thinking about this in your preparation and using your efforts, your physical efforts while you're preparing and imagining that you're actually doing these efforts, I think help a lot. So criteriums, you're looking at a 10 second effort, a close the gap effort, and then you want a minute off. And then 20 seconds, chase the break effort, and then you want a minute off and then 30 seconds launching an attack effort. If you imagine yourself in these situations and in control of your body and emotions, it's going to help you when they're actually happening during the race. And now we get to stage five, which is the final part. Three minute recovery is the same for all events. So take three minutes to recover after your last effort and take the time here and don't get caught up in the hype before the race. Get dry and changed into your race clothes and make your way to the starting area. So that wraps up the five stages. Can you see any way that you can improve your warm-up through this framework? I hope you can, but what I would be doing is starting to look at each one of these and then figuring out for which event you need to adjust these to. It would be awesome if there was a way 
just to lock down this entire framework and number four was the only thing that you slotted in and out well other than that bike that you're actually riding but that was the only thing that you slotted out so that you could nail this thing and it could just become a habit and you would not have to think about it and waste that precious brain energy and energy on thinking what's next what's coming out because this energy on race day is all important it's just like the nerves that we start to build harnessing those through mental energy just as important as having the right preparation when it comes to your legs and your and your body opening up one final thing on it once you begin to tweak this physical and mental preparation if anyone wants help with this just get in contact and we can talk about how to adapt it to your racing i love talking about this stuff i would love to look at your situation and see where you're at and see what we can do i really get inspired by hearing people changing the way they do things to make themselves more efficient and then actually get better results because of it so just get in contact and now let's get to the tech hacks and products section and we're going to talk about another top thing today after last week i was so pumped about talking about my favorite jersey i thought about what about what i wear under my favorite jersey and it's my favorite under top i don't really wear an undershirt when it comes to summer i just never got on that bandwagon but I do wear one for warmth and for the variability in weather changes. You can't beat merino. And merino is such a superior material when it comes to absorbing sweat, absorbing smell. So it keeps you dry and it doesn't stink. Plus, you can wear it over and over again without having to wash it. All you need to do is just buy one and wear it and wash it once a week. Don't tell anyone I told you that because it's a little bit grotty, but you can do it. The one that I use and the one that I love, it's from Swerve. Well, it's S-W-R-V-E. And it's their merino wool base layer. Like most merino products, it is from New Zealand wool. It's flat seamed. It has extra long sleeves. It has a tail hem on it so it keeps your ass warm. It's a tight fit and it's machine washable. It's awesome. Like the big thing is that I've had it for a lot of years. It's not slowing down. There is no way that it's going to slow down. I have no problems with it, with threads coming off or it losing shape. It's just working for me. And it's going to continue to work for me. So I'm recommending it to everybody out there. I would get hold of it. I'll put a link in the show notes to check it out. They've got another jacket. I've actually got a a jacket from them for urban cycling, commuting to work. I'll get into that maybe another time. But I checked that out as well. It's a pretty cool product. These guys are grassroots from... USA and I'm digging what they're doing. Go and support them. Now, let's get to that quote. So that quote from the top of the show is Robbie McEwen is Robbie McEwen saving some footy players from carbon monoxide poisoning. I'll put up the rest of the clip after the show, but it's really really funny because he was the only one on a boatload of people that was able to eventually pull all these dudes in that had carbon monoxide poisoning. And he claims it was because he's got a machine or he because he's superiorly fit superiorly is that a word he's super fit um, and he has extra oxygen in his blood system not only because the machine that he talks about probably but the extra training he does I just thought it was a really funny news clip and anyone that's not from Australia enjoy the classic Aussie news accent and that's it just quickly if you do have any comments about the show you can leave a voice message from the homepage or on any of the post pages or write me a comment on the episodes page I'd love to connect with any cyclist that's getting something from this show and please if you have any requests for anything for me to look into let me check it out I love delving into everything to do with cycling especially if it's going to make a difference to people enjoying their riding, enjoying their racing and and having more fun while they're doing it. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into.
The only reason McEwen didn't get sick was because of his high altitude training device. And that is the same principle, it lowers your blood oxygen level, but in a safe way.